Hello everyone and welcome to this month's edition of the Comics Pals Book Club. But before we start, a disclaimer. If you value your lives, you must not listen to this podcast. In about an hour and a half or so, you'll find out exactly why. Well, you're still listening, so do so at your own risk. This month, the Pals will be talking about one of Grant Morrison's many magnum opuses, The Multiversity. It's a nine-issue limited series of one-shots with multiple different artists that ran from August 2014 through August 2015. If you guys decide that you like today's show, make sure you listen to our weekly show that drops every Monday wherever your podcasts are sold, along with many things we with the uh, many things we put out. Like and subscribe to our YouTube, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and join us in our Discord, where you can find that in the description below. I'm joined by three other pals today. All of us are from Universe 69. I got Sean here. Nice. Hello, hello. Pete. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, well, Kale. Nice. Nice. All right, guys. So today I had you all read Multiversity. I don't think any of us have read it except maybe Kale and myself. Is that true? Sean, have you read it? Nope. Not Excellent. even now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, wait. Phil, in which universe are you asking have I read it? Well, have you read it in universe 15? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know myself in that That's universe right. that well. Fuck. But in 69, I have read it. So. Nice. I, previous to this, I have only actually read the Shazam issue. Okay. Uh, oh. I, I knew, I, so you've talked about that many times. I assume that you read the whole thing. So, all right. Yeah, we're, um, we're in for a treat. I guess before we get into it. You guys know my Fred Quietly story, right? Uh, I went to see him one time at uh, Hope Street Studios where he works in Glasgow uh, with a friend who uh, got a pull quote from him for her comic. And he showed us the pages he was working on for Pax Americana. Oh, and it that's cool. Ruled. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about... Yeah. Yeah. That's a great section of the story. Uh... Did you guys have any initial impressions going in? Uh, let's start with you, Sean. You're, you, like me, wo- uh, worship the altar of Grant Morrison. Uh, yeah, you guys can't see it. It's a bit off screen, but I do have a massive altar to Looks Grant like Morrison. Um, Doesn't look the incense is burning right now, though. That's pretty, pretty weird. <laughs> Looks like the map right behind the multiversity map right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Vegeta. Um, <laughs> I knew only that it was very dense and mm. confusing and uh morrisony and it didn't disappoint in any of those aspects at all yeah fair enough pete uh i know you're hot and cold on grant what were your feelings going in what were you expecting i don't know what my expectations were going in necessarily because to your point um i am pretty hot and cold on grant stuff because i think um I think where I get tripped up with their work sometimes is, like, I like the idea more than the execution. Okay. And I do think that this is an example of that. Oh, you're teasing. Um, but I will say I think that this work, because it is so vast and each issue is so different, um, I think that there are peaks and valleys in it. Okay. And and I there are peaks that I very much enjoyed, um, and I think it's more uh, some of the mechanics of it that um, where I where I felt like sometimes I could see the the, the wheels turning, um, 
that I felt that kind of tr- frustration or trepidation. I feel like I do sometimes feel with Grant's work. Um, so I'm, I, I am anticipating being the, uh, the naysayer on this one, even though I did like it, um, a fair amount, I would say. Okay. And, uh, Kel, you've only read Thunderworld Adventures. Uh, now you've read all nine issues. What do you think? Well, I will, I, I, whew, I almost backed the horse up here. What were your expectations of the rest of it? That's where we're, that's what we're talking oh. about here. <laughs> I, um, Put the car before the horse. That's right. <laughs> so the one I was looking forward to the most was Pax Americana. Okay. Uh, just because that was the one I'd heard about the most. Um, and it's one I would like to actually take more time with uh, because I felt like uh, I had I had other commitments so I couldn't get to the book to really dig deep deep into it um over the weekend so i blew through it today as thick as this book is it's an easy read somehow but pax americana is thick and layered and you're I supposed to read like, it backwards i have well see i feel like i missed it a lot uh so that's uh the, so there's that um, but yeah, the rest of it, similar to Pete, there were very high highs, but I was lukewarm on a lot of it. There's um, a lot of Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison-y stuff that uh, when it works for me, it really, really works. But then you get stuff where it, it feels like he's trying to like imitate pop there. culture. There when when grant is trying to imitate pop culture um it just never hits with me hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, let me uh, go ahead sean the, the uh the other two spoke on their feelings about the book and i didn't so i want to sure add, yeah add that um yeah go for it i if it were up to me my first experience with any grant morrison anything would never be I would never be talking about my opinion publicly for the for my first read through mm. because I don't think that Grant's work is meant to be read read and talked about that way and I don't think that they write that way and I think uh, certainly this this book is it requires you to really sit and ruminate and think about it and 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 read it again and that's not how I did it so um, whatever I'm going to say in this episode is probably not what I'll think about it if you were to ask me again in a year or two. Um, that being said, I think that this there were there were times uh, where I just couldn't help but smile when nothing particular was happening in the book. Because there's a certain way that Grant writes yeah. that I can't get enough of. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a major moment it's just their style that i i'm obsessed with and there were other moments where i was like okay yep guess i am not clear on what's going on here <laughs> i don't have a clue what i'm reading but i'll read it anyway because it's grant so uh there's nothing that i outright disliked um far from it but i would say that i didn't get everything i was supposed to get probably not even half of everything i was supposed to get Hmm. out of this 
Yeah, I would say the parts that are the most dense, uh, that and you guys will probably feel the same way, are the two issues of multiversity themselves. You know, one and two. The beginning and the very last chapter of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and he grant they're laying down some kind of heady concepts here uh, that have to do with the gentry. But really where the book really sings are these seven middle chapters because really what this story is about, to me at least, is it's like a it's opportunity for stories to bloom because everything the gentry is supposed to represent in these issues uh, are, are where uh, bad ideas infest comic books or where good, where good ideas go to die. And so these seven issues in the middle are supposed to represent just a endless possibilities that could be within comic books uh with that said let me let me set the table a little bit here so that we uh you know what we're actually reading here multiversity is a story about the dc comics multiverse uh that's being evaded by a race of cosmic uh entities or parasites called the gentry uh and they basically uh create a comic book called ultra comics that they use to infest uh, multiple multiverses within that story in, in this comic, and that's kind of the thorough line that takes us from issue to issue. Um, so, with that said, of our seven kind of middle stories, I kind of want to start it this way because I don't think there's any clean way to kind of go into this. Uh, Pete, what was your favorite of our seven kind of stories here? Um, so I would say that my favorite was probably uh, Thunderworld Adventures. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was a really, really good issue. And, and a taste. Thank you, Kale. Um, and, and I – so <laughs> in preparation for this because of how dense the work is, um, I had the like Wikipedia page open as I was reading all of these. So whenever I would finish the issue, I would read the synopsis and make sure I got everything that I was supposed to get out of it narratively. Okay. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because when I was reading the Thunderworld one, um, there was a quote from Grant where it was where um, they said that that the kind of goal of it was to see if you could kind of present it in this like Pixar movie kind of way, like similar to what. Um, they did with All-Star Superman and like play it as kind of like myth folktale kind of thing. And like as soon as I read that after I had experienced the issue, uh, my mind immediately went to just like, man, like why is why is DC not done something like that? Like a really like classic, like, you know, Fleischer inspired kind of um, cartoon series about the Marvels because like man, is this issue such a good elevator pitch for this universe and, like, what is cool about it, you know? And, like, the way that it's maintained a lot of that golden age, you know, um, tone and vibe. And I think, like, the biggest takeaway I got from all of this series, and it happens whenever I read one of Grant's big multiverse-type things, is just, like, man... They know so much about comic books. They know a humbling amount about comic books. <laughs> yeah, there's, and that's really apparent in the guidebook. But go there's on. so much here. 
The guidebook actually was a competitor for my favorite just because, like I said, I think I like the idea of multiversity uh, more than the execution. And that issue is literally just like elevator pitches for like universes or like Grant being like, oh, here's this cool universe that this other comic creator made that I'm going to have a thinly veiled nod to, you know? <laughs> yeah, like Earth 6, for instance. That's uh, Stan Lee's DC Comics uh, when he, you know, did his version of the DC characters. I thought that was really cool. Mm. Um, I actually, I made a list of a bunch of them because I want to like do a video about it at some point. Cause I thought it was so interesting. There's like a bunch of nods to like different image lines and like, um, action city, which is, I think Kurt Busiek's, um, oh, superhero sure. universe. And it's crazy. Yeah. I love Thunderworld adventures though. I, Cameron Stewart did such a great job with the art, really kind of capturing this kind of this the style, so to speak. Um, and it's just brisk. You know, I feel like when we talk about a lot of Captain Marvel stories, uh, it always comes back to like uh, Black Adam in some way. But this was just purely Doctor Savannah, and uh, the goal of just trying to create an eighth day in the week Savannah day is uh, really campy and silly. Uh, this was. Yeah, this is, this, this is a good reason why this one's your favorite, for sure. Uh, and it, how do you guys feel about this? Uh, Kayla, you were high on this one, too, right? Thunderworld, yeah. Uh, it's the only issue of this I actually bought, because there are so few uh, Captain Marvel stories out in the world, um, and I knew that I would have to buy it when it came out. Um, and obviously I was not disappointed. Um, Savannah to me is the perfect uh villain for this whole situation i think there are there are so few real mad scientist characters anymore that when savannah gets used it's just like oh oh it's just delicious Mm. little umami umami (laughs) um and i think um i think grant's use of the character and the multiverse of the character is just so spot on in the way that only grant could do yeah yeah it's a good point Um, something i I liked about that one a lot too and and you also kind of see it with the use of the um the uh mini justice league universe as well of like the juxtaposition of like all these different kinds of tones because like obviously that whole issue is very golden age but then like bringing in the multi you know verse of of um so uh i'm sorry sylvanas sivana oh the dr sivanas yeah and there's the the one who is like becomes a recurring character who's like you know got major hannibal lecter energy Uh um and like he as a contrast in that issue like I remember he like really like struck me as being odd because it's like so in this tone until it isn't, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like that. Um, I, I like the moments of that in this series overall. Yeah, Sean, how do you feel about this issue? Uh, Thunderworld Adventures was was great. Um, it it was it was. Um, I don't I don't really care that much about Shazam, uh, but. It was cool to see Shazam through Grant's eyes, and that's something that is what that's that's one of the major reasons why I love reading Grant's work so much is because he can uh, they can take a character that 
uh, I might not care about or even know exists, and all of a sudden I'm in love. And then sure. another writer takes that same character, and then I don't care again. So that's just a talent that that Grant has, um, and this issue was great, but it wasn't my favorite. Um, no, no, my my favorite was definitely the Ultra Comics uh, issue. Yeah, nice. That nice. was probably that was probably my runner up. Yeah, yeah. Hit us with it. That's that's that Grant stuff. That's mm-hmm. that's why that's what I thought when this story started. I thought that it was going to be a lot of that, and uh, I guess I was a little bit um, turned off. By while I think all the stories are good, I was turned off by the fact that they didn't all they all relate to each other. But the idea that Grant was trying to like set up future stories for other writers to take on, like I don't even care about that. Yeah. And so I was I wanted a cohesive narrative that works from front to back that tells a, a consistent story. So all the offshoot things. While they were good, I was like, eh, I really want to see what is the meta commentary that Grant's mm. making. What is the, you know, how's he, how are they going to mess with my brain with this one, you know? And and this issue, the the Ultra uh, ultra Comics one, does that. The page where, uh, uh, I guess, it, I, I think it's Ultra, says, do not turn this page. Yeah. And then you do, and yep. it's that big eye. Like there you are. That freaked me out. <laughs> that, Absolutely captivated. Yeah, I love that. I love that type of stuff. And the way it even starts, where it's just like warning you, like don't turn the page, and how you see the evolution of comic storytelling, the way that uh, you know this character goes from like thought bu- thought balloons to I the captions. That. The way you see that, that how they start as a hero and they go from golden to silver to modern ages and the way that changes how they're a hero and all that different stuff the way that the the other characters are kind of like they i feel like they were meant to be like comic readers um and they're cannibals yeah um because that's what comic book readers are right uh all of that stuff is what i wanted to read so this that issue gave me exactly what i want and then you said the first and second, the multiversity one and two were really dense. Those were my other favorites. Nice. Because I, again, that's what I came here for. That's what I want. So the other stuff was cool, but those three issues, were what I signed up for, and I got what I wanted out of them. Yeah, you wanted that true uh, quote unquote hyper crisis, as Grant yes. called it. The, uh, the final crisis stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what we got here. I mean, there's, uh, you know, when we look at. Uh, Multiversity issues one and two, and uh, Ultra Comics. It's definitely Grant making his their commentaries on on the industry. You know, the the, the gentry seem to be representative of of you know maybe like executives, uh, you know, at, at, at you know editorial ship that kind of thing. Uh, bad editors, um, and I like how when you are reading this, you see like forum commentaries on pages sporadically and it's all just like kind of negative like oh it's a giant egg in reference to the the big eye you were talking about yeah uh 
yeah, I love that stuff too. I that for me that was kind of what I came here for, and I also the first time I read this was thrown off by how every other issue seemed kind of completely unrelated, but I felt like Grant was trying to. It felt like this was published in 2015, and I felt like there was a lot of uh, jabs at the New 52 era of comics, this kind of revolving door of continuity. And when we read stuff like Thunderworld or Pax Americana, it feels like Grant trying to restore some sense of opti- optimism to the story. So it feels like it's this whole book, to me, is their kind of, their idealized comic books, if that makes sense. I guess um, I didn't f- again pa- Pax Americana was probably the one that I got the least out of mm. um, and I don't see how that was optimistic and I guess we'll talk about it but I, I didn't get that at all um, and again I'm sure that's because I missed something but it didn't feel hopeful and um, I guess ultimately that's how things resolve that it is this kind of hopeful ending but even the way it ends is kind it's kind of ambiguous in the sense that nothing really resolves at least not as far as I could tell. I was shocked that it was over when I when I hit the final page. I was like, "Wait, what? This is it? It's done? That's it?" Hmm. What what uh Kale and Pete, what do you guys think of the uh multiversity issues then? Yeah, well, to respond to to what you just said, like I I also don't know that I got the idealized comics thing out of it as much as it felt like, like I definitely got the meta commentary on on comics as it as it were, but I also felt like it feels like a it feels like Grant was tasked with, um, kind of, you know, like. Sean pointed out, um, and I know that this was was the intent, right, at least behind some of this stuff, was that, like, these could be jumping off points for future series, and, like, everyone is kind of an elevator pitch for these different ideas or whatever, and it feels like Grant kind of mixing that goal with this kind of love letter to comics in general, you know, of this, like, you made the point about how, um, you know, we see Ultra... Uh, synthesize all the, or Sean made the point, I should say, um, of all the different eras of comics and stuff like that. And you see that echoed through all of these different kind of um, the one shots, but then also the other worlds that Grant teases in the the guidebook and everything like that of this kind of, you know, um, goal that I feel like I've seen Grant take a shot at before of like contextualizing it all right like it's all real and it's all not real you know and that like it all you know um rhymes in some kind of way you know and like I think the um the the thing about you know the the two multiversity issues they kind of remind me of um of like the proper issues of Civil War where it's like yeah like that's like where the real action happens but like so much of the story happens in the margins, you know, what, what are the margins, right? Like it's all the thing. Um, but I feel like those two issues kind of, um, removed from everything else. Um, didn't, didn't necessarily strike the biggest chord with me. 
Like I, I, I liked the ones that were a little bit more focused. Like even Ultra, like I, I definitely didn't vibe with it as much as it sounds like the two of you did. But like what I did really appreciate about that issue is how that feels like an issue that only Grant could write. You know, and um, even when Grant's style isn't for me, I appreciate the mechanics of it and like just the the fact that their voice is so unique in that way. Because like I don't think any other and maybe not no other writer, but I can't think of another major comics writer that could like give me an issue that talks to me like directly and doesn't feel, you know, um, kind of cheesy, you know, because um, it like actively is trying to be like you're involved in the story reader, like dear reader. And that feels very old and kind of old fashioned and, and hokey in a way. Um, but Grant takes that and and you know um for lack of a better word like weaponizes it to enhance the story and and give it this sense of tension and you know um so as as much as like those three issues i i don't think i like as much as some of the more contained things that that felt like they had more of a a narrative through line like just within the issue um i think that those three are definitely the probably the most technically impressive to me and things that i feel like a lesser writer just couldn't pull off. You know, I think other writers could write a good one shot about, you know, um, Captain Marvel, right? But I don't think anybody else could write uh, Ultra Comics. What about you, Cal? Yeah, I think I feel a bit more similar to Pete, uh, especially with the comparison to, like, the proper issues of Civil War. Um, Multiversity 2... Uh, by the end of it felt to me like a an orgy of uh, superhero figures you know doing a crisis book <laughs> and that's not you know that's not bad you know um, there's some really cool pages you get out of that that's yeah, for damn sure <laughs> it just you know it it didn't feel and you know that that is to say like it had that that layer of of grant spit on top of it um but it just uh it to me the the multiversity issues specifically didn't feel as cohesive as the other parts did because it felt like the other parts were woven together to get to either side of the you know the the multiversity things but the the multiversity issues themselves felt like they were spindly and wild and all over the place i don't know if i agree with the first one i think the first one really sets the table pretty well Um, i do i agree with that yeah yeah i mean in the first one we have basically the only monitor left who you know appears to be basically a reader of comic books yeah which uh you gotta love that uh he shows up on one of the earths and there's a thor analog there and he's the last member of that of the superheroes of their planet the monitor basically sacrifices their you know uh their their existence their you know in independence effectively to let that Thor analog travel in his ship, which travels through basically uh, 
through the bleed, which is between universes, through music, basically, to go out and recruit other characters. So that kind of sets the stage for our first issue, the House of Heroes, which is like a multiverse collection of superheroes where we see characters like Captain Carrot, uh, who I imagine is a would be a favorite of Kale's, and um, you know uh, President Superman, Calvin That's, Ellis. That was his first appearance, right? Uh no. He, no. He appeared in the New Fifty Two Superman action comics three oh, years okay. earlier, but also also uh, Grant book. Uh, I believe that Calvin Ellis shows up in uh, uh, whatever that twenty fifteen event was with all the multiverse stuff. I forget with Brainiac. I, I can't remember the name of that title. Oh jeez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was multiplicity in there. I can't remember the what the. One... Oh, yeah. oh, 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 uh, shit, what was that? I would have said multiverse. Convergence. Convergence, yeah. Uh, so I, know he showed, I, I know he showed up in there, but... Uh, that, <laughs> that's pretty close to this same story, but not done as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, uh, Calvin Ellis has, and along with all these other characters, are trying to recruit superheroes before all these multiverses die. Um before all these universes die, rather. And that's that's the concept that we kind of see in um, Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's what the Anti-Monitor is doing in, in that book back in 1986. Uh, but in this book, you know, we, we get to visit the Earths and take time with them. And I know that was something Grant was trying to accomplish, which, which is like, I don't want all these universes to die without, like, actually setting up characters and getting to know them and stuff instead of them just being, like, action figures, too. Kale's point, maybe that didn't pay off in the end. Uh, the first one what we're introduced to is a Marvel analog universe, and I personally, reading this, thought, oh, this this will make Sean pop because this kind of feels like uh, when Marvel has the DC analog superheroes in like Hickman, Hickman's book or whatever. I can't get enough of that. I mean, yeah. I I just I just love things like that. It's it's beautiful, and uh, that you're right. That that definitely did um, make me pop. And the big baby one was really, really <laughs> the funny. big baby Hulk. <laughs> uh, I love that. Uh, they were just, this is so cool, and you know, I think sometimes that kind of stuff can come off pretty bad. Um, it can come off more like um, I don't know. Let when it's not as inspired, it can be dumb. Yeah, uh, but. You know, again, Grant has a magic touch for things like this, and it just works out really well. Uh, Jonathan Hickman does too when he did it in in New Avengers, and he had his his DC analog face off with the New Avengers. That was brilliant. So yeah, I love this stuff. I I feel like um, that kind of comes back to the the point I made earlier about like this feeling like a love letter to comics in general from Grant, and like I think. Um, I definitely agree with what Sean just said, where, like, I feel like with in a lesser writer's hands or, like, maybe in a more cynical um, story, right? Like, that kind of stuff can, I think, easily just feel like fan service and, and, like, in a bad way. And, like, it doesn't make you pop. It makes you groan or roll your eyes or, like, okay, you know? But, like, I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like with Grant, it just comes across as sincere, and that makes you buy into it. 
yeah, and and it's it, it's just kind of silly. It's not taking itself seriously. Um, like the Captain America analog is named American Crusader, and USA are highlighted in American colors in Crusader. Uh, that's really silly. Uh, also, like in this world, they talk about these characters having movies in some of their universes and stuff. Uh, they talk about the bug, the Spider-Man analog. Oh, I saw that movie. Uh, like everything feels like it kind of uh, references into itself, so to speak. Um, the Doctor Doom analog has what looks like the Galactus egg, uh, which I think is from Hickman's run, uh, and it births the monitor that we saw earlier. But he's been corrupted into like a uh, kind of like the he kind of looks like the the vampire from Final Crisis. Yeah. That sucked on uh, universes. And that kind of takes us into the stories. So the first one we have here, we'll just go right into it, I guess, uh, was the Society of Superheroes. This is kind of like a real Silver Age kind of adventure story with Dr. Fate, uh, the Atom. Uh, we had a bunch of World War II characters like the Blackhawks. Uh, how do you feel about this one, guys? I really like this one. Um, I definitely am a sucker for that um that tone you know i really like stories about superheroes that are set in like the 30s and 40s um in that kind of like dawn of the superhero age um but i also think that that's hard to do well um you know we you know we just recently did our um like our jupiter's uh circle and um legacy review uh that was last month's book club go check it out um and that was one of the elements of that book that I responded to, but like I, I remember being, um, you know, like kind of like feeling like I wanted more of that, you know, and like feeling like it was like kind of what I wanted, but not quite. And I feel like for whatever reason, um, Grant just taps into that time so well, and maybe it is just because of a genuine affection for that era of comics. Um, where again it comes off as authentic to me. So in the same way that I feel like I really responded to the um you know the Thunderworld Adventures issue, this was another one that I I remember you know, like the first multiversity I was kind of like, all right, like what's going on or whatever. And then this one kind of felt like it grounded me a little bit and gave me something to connect with a little bit more. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh I love um Vandal Savage. Yeah. He's really cool and um there were some moments in this issue that really struck me, like when uh, Doctor Fate and uh, who was the other guy, um, the guy with the, the Doctor Manhattan mask on. Um, the Adam. Yeah, that was yeah. the Adam. Yeah, I think I think he was called like the Amazing Adam or something in this. When when they are being chased by Parallax, and Green Lantern comes, I that was awesome. Yeah. That was it's, really, really cool. It's so funny, too, because it's just like all we get for Green Lantern is, oh, yeah, he died. And then he just shows up. And <laughs> He's like, no, like, I didn't. You were yeah, mistaken. And, yeah. <laughs> and again, it's like I don't care about Abin Sur at all. I have no yeah. relationship to that character. I don't even know if they've ever been in a comic that I've read up until now. But, you know, Grant is great at setting up moments that make you feel and make you feel about characters that you don't feel for. 
So yeah, that 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 really struck a chord with me. You know, Parallax, not a character I care about. When Parallax is a dragon chasing around these two people, I'm not thinking about my relationship to the characters so much as I'm invested in the story and just genuinely feeling what is on the page. Mm-hmm. And that's excellence. That's that's creative excellence. Especially in in big two books where so much of your reading reading these comics is is predicated on your knowledge of them and your care for the characters to be able to you know create an immediate relationship between you and them because the story is so good that's that's not easy and grant pulls it off all the time yeah this type of story is my bread and butter i would say I like these kind of adventure stories, and sure. um, it's, very, it's very romanticized. Uh, Doctor Fate is a character I always want to really like, but never feel like I'm given the opportunity to care about him. You know, even over the years, Same. there's been like four Doctor Fates. You know, uh, but in, him in this environment, he's like really put together. He's the smartest person in the room, uh, and he's like kind of funny too. Like when he's going up against uh, the other magic user, um, what's his name? Felix Faust. Felix Faust. Uh, his response to the magic off is to kick him in the balls. That was great. <laughs> Got uh, that Indiana Jones energy. Yeah, yeah right. right. <laughs> when the dude in the desert is uh, swinging a sword and he just shoots him instead. It's, uh. <laughs> also, um, I just I was I never really uh, heard of a mortal man before, but he's like our POV character in this, mm-hmm. and I. I got really into the concept of like, oh, two immortal dudes are going to fight here. That's cool. Speaking of what Kale just brought up, the Indiana Jones thing, like that happens here, right? When Lady Shiva's like threatening to carve up those those women and they just shoot her. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's all, all this stuff and yep. now you're dead. I love that. Yep. Yeah, I love how she's like, she's like, oh, like I'm so fast, I'll slice your legs off before you can even scream, and then they just sh- fucking shoot her. <laughs> it's great, and like that's like, uh, I think it, it's it's not the fault of the work, but it's definitely something that I walked away feeling frustrated about with this. Where I'm like, okay, can I get like six of this? Could I just could could Grant just write like a six issue story about this this group? I like these characters together. I'm in, you know. Like you sold me on a thing that I can't buy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what they wanted. Oh, someone else write this. <laughs> yeah, I know, but then like who? Yeah, like right. And, and um, that speaks to a core problem that I do have with the with the, the totality of this is that Grant is Grant and. You know, we have seen plenty of writers uh, imitate in a in a loving way, not in a you know, sure hacky yeah, way, <laughs> uh, his style and fail. This is not a condemnation of this writer, but Scott Snyder uh, has done that. You know, death metal mm. is that. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. That has big Grant Morrison energy. It's, yeah. It's not even like he doesn't, he's not even shy about it. He's, he's no. talked about it. He talked about how multiversity specifically was an inspiration and how he talked to Grant Morrison about what, how he would have handled the story that Snyder was working on. And some of the things that Snyder told him, uh, uh, sorry, they, and, and uh, Snyder used some of those ideas. So 
Oh damn, really? Yeah. So Wow, no wonder. No wonder if that was so much fun. I feel like Grant was credited somewhere yes. in Death Metal. I, I yeah, recall seeing I'm that. I'm pretty confident you're correct. But I think that it's fair to say that whether you like Death Metal or not, it would have been different in Grant's hands. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say I don't care about these concepts in a vacuum. Yeah. I don't care about these concepts outside of the very specific scenario in which Grant Morrison's writing them. So what is the point? What's the value of creating these things if Grant's not going to write them? And and you can see that DC doesn't care because mm. they haven't done anything really with any of this. Yeah. Well, that's right. They're the gentry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think what's frustrating is... I think I generally agree with that statement in terms of, like, I don't care about these things in a vacuum, but I think, like, this is an example of a book where, like, the elevator pitch is appealing to me, but I can see so many ways in which it's a book I would not read. Whereas this, it's both. It's like, yeah, no, like, this sounds dope. I I would love the idea of Grant writing a, a, like, kind of very, you know, golden age, you know, of of sci-fi kind of adventurer story right like well, rather than toward grant when they write like a uh you know classic comic stuff yeah period piece type stuff um i would love to see that i would love to see them commit to a book like that even if it was a short run like give me a, a mini or a maxi about this team from grant and you know literally this same creative team like i would i would eat that up you know but to sean's point i don't I don't know that, like, how many other people can pick up those reins and go somewhere with it that's actually cool. Because, like, even, like, there's the, the we don't get an issue about it, but, like, the cowboy universe. <laughs> where I, I was like, I was like, that sounds fucking dope, but I don't, I don't want someone else to write that. I want Grant to write that. Of, like, the idea of, like, oh, they have a telegraph internet. And I was like, please, give, yeah, tell me. Tell me about the telegraph internet, Grant. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Well, even as far as um, top-tier talent like John's, if I'm not mistaken, uh, his Shazam stuff, it first came out of the New 52. It was the it was the uh, back issues of Justice League. Yeah, but then he continued it from like from how well this did, didn't he? Hmm. I don't think so. I think that I think those. I think that was it, and we uh, we read that for uh, uh, book club at one point. There's more. Is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. There's that. Uh, sh- there's that newer Shazam title. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. John's and oh oh uh, no, oh yeah oh, yeah yeah from like, yeah. last year. No, it was no, a couple years ago now. Yeah, <laughs> times of plastic. Um, but it just kind of fizzled out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's with a creator who you know, by all, by all means, like, probably loves that character and, you know, probably would genuinely have something good and interesting to say. I don't know it, if it, I would say it fizzled out as much as it's just the fact that John's is so busy. Yeah. Mm. You know, like, he just doesn't really... It's the same with Grant. Like, Grant yep. said he... Grant, they, they said that they were going to uh, continue this, right? I remember all the talk about yeah. multiversity 2 and whatever. Where's that? Yeah, there, there's supposed to be a, another one at some point. Yep. Uh, this this book ends on a cliffhanger, which we'll we'll talk about when we get there, but yeah, I mean this book and this was 6 years ago. 
Yeah. Um, the oh, l- the the end is what they set up in uh, at the end of uh, something we did recently. Because they they set up uh, what is it Barry Barry Allen goes to the to be the universe. Oh, it, was it death metal? Was it? Where he goes, uh, he's recruited to uh, join this this group, this president. Oh, Superman group. Wasn't really? It, uh, I don't remember Frontier. that. Or maybe That's it was. what it was. Infinite Frontier. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um. The, there's a thing on it on the Wikipedia page where Grant said in 2017 that Multiversity Two was on hold. So. Yeah, I mean this Harbinger character at the end talking about multiverse 2 these are all things i feel like are grant cliffhangers for future grant stuff but i mean if other people are picking it up I, that's the thing is grant is a special talent it, you know grant's been writing for you know 40 years at this point grant is like 63 years old like they keep trying to kind of back away from the dc universe and obviously they keep getting sucked back in whether it's the green lantern season one and season two stuff or multiversity or what have you one woman earth one you know you would want uh, other people to you know write these kind of things i I think i feel like that's the idea is the legacy of uh, a, a writer passing the baton to another writer but uh yeah there's only one grant morrison and that's the problem, though, right, is I think that's fine when you're talking about something that doesn't have the grant. You know, we called it the we've called it the sweat, the spit, the special sauce, whatever the fuck. But Grant has that X factor that they can bring to a book. And when it hits, it fucking hits. And there are certain ideas that they establish that, like. Like, like I said, I just don't think somebody else can do because it's a grant idea and it's not, you know, oh, yeah, here I invented Spider-Man run with that. Right. It's like it's a weird cowboy universe. Like, who's going to fucking do that book, you know, like and do it justice. Me. Well, fucking step up to the plate, Kale. Let's go. Damn, I have anxiety. Let's focus back on Let's let's focus back on multiversity because the next up. Uh, in our issues here, our one shots is the uh, the just the Earth Me universe. Uh, God, all... I hated this. Did you? I hated it so much. With all the uh, the children of the you know first generation of Justice League characters, uh, we had Ben Oliver on art here. Uh, everyone's bored because there's nothing to do. Superman created in this world. He created an army of, of super robots that protect the Earth. Uh, Superman basically created an infrastructure that created a utopia. It's just that everyone's bored. What do so, you guys think? I I really enjoyed it. Me too. Uh, first of all, you know, we read this in a post-Jupiter's legacy yes. world. And there were right, a yeah. lot of things about this that echoed that for me. But also, I read this as... What if all what what do all the characters created in the last fifteen years do with themselves when Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Spider Man, and Wolverine are still the characters that everybody wants to read about? Yep. You know, uh, when you know a Kamala Khan book or a Miss or a Miles Morales book are struggling to make sales because people still want to read Peter Parker and Captain Marvel. Uh, what do those characters do with themselves? 
You know, that's how I read this. Because obviously Grant Morrison does things in a meta step, in a meta context. And uh, I just feel like this was perfect. Uh, you know, these characters are bored. They don't have anything to do. They sit around and, you know, party and... Uh, some of the some of the characters who are a little bit older will will, get, will go into like basically a danger room and you know replay their 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 hits in a sense. Uh, all that really struck a chord with me, and uh, you know even the fact that Damian Wayne was was Batman and getting to see him you know older, but you know he's still he's still Damian and he he wants to be Batman, but. You know, the world is what it is, and he's just trying to have a time while he's in it. Um, there, I, I, I found a lot to, to, to like in this story. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there's like, um, there's something you see on, on, on the internet sometimes of like millennials talking about being a gifted kid and then kind of being a burnout. It's like what this issue is. It's like a bu- bunch of burnouts. Uh they're all concerned about what parties are invited to or not invited to. Um, they compliment each other's appearances because like, it's just work to stay in shape. And like, uh, everyone's sad. <laughs> the issue starts out with someone killing themselves. And everyone reads comics and everyone reads comics. So it feels, uh, <laughs> it feels relatable. People who read comics are sad. All my friends are depressed and reading comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, this one I think was probably the issue that I I dug the least, but not because it wasn't good. Um, I think the thing that I did really dig about it was this was I was far enough in the series. Now, I mean, I guess I realized this in the first issue um, that the thing was just a treasure trove of like Easter eggs and nods and stuff. So it was very much interesting to me to like google the characters and be like who of these are real and like you know like what's their deal and like i dug that um you know like this was like based on like the original super sons you know not like the rebooted one that we've gotten the last couple years right or like there's like plastic man's kid who i didn't know existed you know and like just random right all these characters i think almost all of them yeah um so yeah, like I thought, I thought that element of it was was cool, and it, it's like it's a it's a fine issue. It's it didn't blow me away, but I thought it was also like good in terms of like the pacing of like where it lands in the you know um, the rest of the arc. Felt like it gave gave us a little bit of breathing room after a couple of you know the opening couple issues are pretty dense. So is this the issue, Kale, where you expressed your frustration of Grant trying to write pop culture? Yeah. Grant has this pop culture voice that just grates me, like, put me on a cheese grater. I just, I, you know, the spiky part that you can't, that nobody knows what it's for, scrape that across my butt cheeks because that's what this is to me. I just, I, it, it feels explosively dated when he Mm. uses it for me, when they use it for me. Um, and I think it's be, it reminds me so much of the early, um, Invisibles. Um, Mm. I've only read a few volumes of that, but, uh, so much of it feels like this, um, 
of the Invisibles specifically feels like this poppy, uh, this Brit pop sort of uh, uh, dated dialogue that only exists in a certain bubble. And it all of Grant's voice when he tries to do that feels like this. Doesn't it yeah, remind I... you, Kale, of uh, Mark Miller in uh, Jupiter's Legacy? I feel like he does he does a similar thing with the young people in that book as well. I could see that, yeah. Especially especially when you're first introduced to them, yeah. That's what I was going um, to say. I, I, I think both Grant and Mark, who used to be like very tight in the 90s, were mm-hmm. going to a lot of the same social scenes in mm-hmm in england and stuff and i'm at i that's how i kind of picture the voices in these like it's a very like art hipster scene kind of thing yeah yeah right and there's like an art show and everything yeah. and yeah totally it has that like you know <clears throat> like uh a lot of pretense yeah yeah but Pretent- i don't know yeah pretentious uh it's like a pretentious hipster edge <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I don't mind it either, though. You know, I kind of feel like that's... Um, I feel like that's the point, but I could see how that would, like, grade on you, too. Yeah. Um, I really like the art in this portion, too. It feels like that kind of hyper-realized uh, style that I feel like lends itself here because I feel like the intent is to really try to ground these uh, former sidekicks and offspring of the heroes. Yeah, um, this is not necessarily my favorite visual. Uh, this isn't definitely not my favorite visually speaking. Uh, it, it's it's all right, and I definitely I definitely see where you're coming from with what you said. Uh, in that, it, it, you know, they're very much grounded. They're not, you know, as cool or flashy um, or inspiring of hope like the. the in no way is this to be disrespectful towards the artist, but it's kind of like flat. And yeah. I would imagine that that's deliberate because they are flat. Um, and so I, you know, that's cool. I like the idea that the art is, is um, it exists to accentuate what the story is doing. Um, but because of that, uh, it's just not my favorite. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't care for the way it looks too much. Yeah, I don't love this um, style in general. Like the hyper realistic, like art thing, doesn't often doesn't work for me. Um, I feel like it gives me like almost like an uncanny valley mm. kind of vibe, where it's like almost like you're like tracing over pictures. And I I don't mean that, and I that sounds offensive. I don't mean that it that way. Like it, it looks so real that it gives me like a disconnect a little bit i feel like sometimes see i think it doesn't quite get there i think if this was done by someone like like greg land uh it would it the art would probably sell it a lot harder because he's very very photorealistic Mm. uh legend let yeah legend is he uh copies what is the the looks of porn stars oh um so like his stuff is very photorealistic 
Um, yeah. But this, this to me, doesn't <laughs> quite get there. And I think, and I think it, if it were, you know, more photorealist, realistic, it would add that extra layer uh, of, you know, like you say, how how fake these people all are. But it just doesn't, for me, it just doesn't quite get there. You know, uh, fair enough, uh, and that takes us into. Uh... I guess the uh, divisive Pax Americana. Uh, this is Frank Quitely back with Grant Morrison here. Uh, this sees all the Charlton comic book characters that were bought by DC Comics in, I believe, the early 60s. So your Captain Adam, your Blue Beetle, your Peacemaker, your Question. Uh, all those characters are seen here. And Nightshade. It, yeah, Nightshade. And it's like... Um, there's a lot of Watchmen-inspired stuff here, too, clearly. Uh, a big thing that is played here is when you first open this part of the story, uh, it plays with your brain because it's all backwards. Mm. And so you read it, and once you get to the end, you see that the domino mask of the little boy is the president here. Uh, this it looks like an infinity sign, and everything Captain Adam says before he's sucked into a man-made black hole, basically talks about how you can jump anywhere in a story uh, in life. Like that's how he perceives time or whatever. Uh, that's that's what happens here. This is kind of meant to be read both forwards and backwards to kind of really get the full sense of the narrative. I really wish that I had read it twice yeah. because it did it did kind of become clear that that was the case uh, as I got to the end. This issue has one of, and again, I only read this just now, but this issue has one of my favorite pages ever. Like, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. And it's the page where... Um, uh, I don't even remember their names, quite frankly. Was it Night, Night Nightshade, Nightshade, and uh, who's the old man? Whoever that uh, is, the oh, president, like their dad, or something. Yeah, uh, where oh, the vice president or whatever. Where, where I think that's who that is. Where they're walking down the stairs. Yeah, that was oh crazy. yeah, that was that was crazy, great. and the way that the dialogue mim- mirrors what they're doing. Uh, how uh, the, the the president's like everything goes into reverse as you now have to read the panel or the page yeah. in the reverse and it's leading you on to the idea if you keep reading these pages because there's a lot of pages that have allusions to this that you should read this backwards and as a test I actually read a couple of the pages backwards and the dialogue works yeah that is like fuck me that's i'm doing so, that right now <laughs> and it's insane that's yeah. so mind blowing and i can't even you can't oversell how hard that would be to do to write dialogue that works if you read it backwards and forward that's nuts that's outrageous yeah well so much of what the question is doing is trying to solve this oldest mystery in, in this universe and who killed the original superhero and at the end you find out oh the president of the united states who dies at the very beginning of the issue 
is the one who killed his own father, setting the entire story in motion. Right. And that's the last page of the story. Ugh, just crazy. Um, I know uh, some people have their, their opinions on quietly uh, vary, but the paneling in this issue is so creative. From the stairway that Sean described, where you're reading in a zigzag, to pages where there's 16 panels, which is normally, you would think of kind of being really superfluous, but it's with a design, because those those panels on those pages are are utilized to like solve a mystery, to figure out who killed this woman, Nora O'Rourke, who is like sleeping with the peacemaker. It, it's, it's great. I, I, completely, so, I completely missed that part. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm generally one to, to not care for Frank Quietly's, um, art. I've definitely been the odd man out on that, um, before. Uh, but I, I don't know what it is about this. The line work on this issue feels a lot different. Like there are, there are still, um, like it's definitely still his style, but I think that the things that generally turn me off about his style the most feel toned down here. And I don't know if it's like maybe, you know, um, the colorist that he was partnered with on this one or, or, or what have you, but it's Rob lay on colors. Um, but I don't know. I, I actually really liked the art in this issue and like knowing my bias against, um, quietly, like when I got into this knowing, like, you know, getting to the front page and it's like, Oh, the, the band's reunited and this is not the band that I like. Um, but I, but it really worked for me actually. Uh, one other note, I talked about how the last panel is the domino mask looking like an infinity sign. Well, the very first panel is also, uh, uh, peace flag that is that looks like a domino that, is, that looks like an infinity sign so again just linking the, the fact that this story is read both front and backwards um something else i wanted to talk about in, with regard to this issue uh so in our last issue the 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 the, the me universe uh and the previous one before that, before that you know uh the gentry and infest the universe with the comic book in this one some a device we'll see multiple times in multiversity is characters talking to the reader and that's something we see with captain adam when he's sitting in front of the uh, you know the the collider uh he's reading the comic completely out of order uh because how he perceives time and he talks about it and he says i'm thinking how our universe appears from a higher dimensional perspective flat complete yet always beginning and ending always different he's flipping through the comic the story is linear but i can flip through the pages in any order any direction forward in time to the conclusion back to the opening scene telling the reader to read this issue forwards and backwards the characters remain unaware of my scrutiny but their thoughts are transparent weightless and little clouds this is how a two-dimensional continuum looks to you then he looks to the reader imagine how your 3d world appears to me your back pages and your future continuities. I know your origins, the secret identities that you hide from even your loved ones. Then he disappears. Just love that shit. Yeah, man. You know what? See, I remember how I, t- I said earlier that, you know, my opinions about this series would change. Well, they changed because this issue <laughs> now has become one of my favorites. This, was this is the best one now. <laughs> 
Yeah, Grant put work in. Oh, and, again, compliments to Frank. I, I, this page where Captain Adams walking over a bridge with the president, you, you see that the bridge they're walking on is mirrored on top of the water. Again, just everything is like a mirror. In the in the back matter for this uh, for the giant ass trade, uh, if you have it, the Grant's notes are in it, and he he notes how he they note how they want to uh, uh, do the circular nature of that uh, of that page. The there's a dragonfly that goes across the bottom or something, and it, and then at the end it gets eaten by the bird that's going the opposite direction. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, and to bring my point home, Earth 4, I believe this is, is the only one so far that hasn't been infested by the gentry. Captain Adam disappears with the comic. You don't see their world coming to an end. Uh, makes you wonder what, you know, what could be done. Uh, Grant's described... Yeah, we never go back to this Earth, right? Uh, it... it, it it's mentioned in Final Crisis. You see this version of Captain Adam, which is like a Dr. Manhattan allegory. And obviously Dr. Manhattan is an allegory of the Charlton Captain Adam. So, you know. Uh, but otherwise, I don't think so. I don't think we come back to it anytime. God, that is the most meta shit ever. Yeah. You know, that 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 Grant was like, hmm, what if I wrote a Watchmen-esque story with the Charlton characters? Yeah. <laughs> Grant talked sure. about this and described it. If Alamore and Dave Gibbons had pitched The Watchmen now, rooted in a contemporary political landscape. That was the pitch for Pax Americana. Love it. Because instead of rather focusing on the Cold War, you see President Bush and you see like terrorists and stuff. So, um, Beautiful son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people always talk about how Grant uh, has beef with Alamore. Uh, they always talk about how much they love Alamore's comics. So. Um, I don't I, think Grant has beef with anything in the universe. <laughs> just uh, evil scorpion gods uh, that haunted him in real life. Um, so we talked about Thunderworld Adventures, and that takes us now to the Multiversity Guidebook, where we get the Batman of two worlds. We get kind of a Judge Dredd-esque Batman who shoots first and asks questions later, and then kind of like a chibi-style Batman. Uh, in addition to that, we're also taken to like a Jack Kirby fourth world setting where we see Kamandi. Uh, I know that's kind of your shit, Kale. What do you guys think of the guidebook issue? This kind of gives us a lot of exposition on kind of the multiverse <laughs> in, in DC for those of you who aren't really familiar with DC's history of, of, of the multiverse, which goes back to you know the Flash of Two Worlds and then... You know, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis, Final Crisis, Flashpoint, etc. I I really had fun with this issue, um, and it is almost not an issue of a comic. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it, it it technically is, <laughs> but the middle of it is literally just. But it's you're like skating I hate on thin ice, Grant. Like I've got I've got a book upstairs that's like the official guidebook of the Marvel Universe and it's like exactly like it's this this format but just for things that don't actually exist which you know maybe is even its own meta thing that Grant was nodding at those books you know who's to say yeah. um but 
funnily, funnily enough, this is one of the ones that I enjoyed the most because, like I said, I think I like the idea of multiversity as a project more than the actual execution of it. So some of just like the idea of just like um, Grant Morrison like sitting in a room and just rattling off ideas for universes and then being like, here's like a here's two paragraphs and hands it to a writer. <laughs> And is just, or I'm sorry, an artist, and is like, here, like, draw a mock-up of this is fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> I don't know how many of these are original Grant universes. I think a couple of them are, obviously. A lot of these yeah, already exist, many. though. I mean, yeah, but a bunch of them are new ones. Sure. <laughs> uh, including one where it's clearly Grant as a stand-in mad scientist leader of a bunch of robot superheroes. And then there's, like... You know, obviously, a ton of them are nods to other universes. Um, here, I, not, I, sorry, Pete, that's not a Grant stand-in. That's um, that's uh, 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 the guy that created the Metal Men. Oh, uh, tomorrow? To, to no, who? Frick. Uh, well, here, while you figure that out, um, I made a list of the non-DC. Homages. So Earth Forty One is an analog for Image. Um, mm-hmm. That's where Dino Cop came from. He's Savage Dragon, obviously. Uh, of course. Um, <laughs> there's the Nimrod Squad, which is based on Youngblood. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and like a bunch of them are like fusions of like a Youngblood character and a DC character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earth Thirty Four is the Astro City one. Mm-hmm. Earth Thirty Five is uh, Rob Liefeld's awesome comics. Um, Earth 8 and 7 are both Marvel. Mm-hmm. Earth 36 is Big Bang Comics, uh, which is like an image series that's all like gold and silver age, um, like retro style comics that are like based on DC comics from that era, which I had never heard of. Um, 39 is the Thunder Agents, uh, created by Wally Wood. 48 is um, based on uh, the... Earth 48 and pre-crisis Earth 6. Um, And it's also got, like, nods to Top 10 by Alan Moore. And, you know, just, like, it's like a bunch bunch of random stuff uh, rolled into it to to a bunch of these. So, like, for me, this was the issue I took the most time with. Because literally every single Earth, I was, like, on the DC wiki, like, what's this one based on? What's this one based on? And then I would like go read the Wikipedia page a little bit and just like it as like Grant Morrison, you know, kind of educating me about a bunch of obscure stuff um, was very fun. Yeah. Look at Earth 6, Pete. That's the one that Stan Lee presents the DC universe where he reimagines the DC characters. In, is, is, is That's that. Them? OK, cool. I didn't I didn't get that one on my list. I got to yeah. write that down. Uh, it's funny that uh, of all these universes, uh, the uh, Earth Zero is the most boring one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the New Fifty Two Earth. It is Earth. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of blank ones here, and that was on that was by design, just so like you know, other people can create this stuff. Yeah, and they didn't. Yeah. But only seven. <laughs> uh, yeah, only seven. Uh, also, the thing that really pops here for me is the map. Yeah, yeah. I'm a real sucker for this stuff. Tremendous. Um, I usually am, but this is too much. There's too much, much shit on it. It was. This is like you jump the shark, even for a dork like me. <laughs> you know, like. Well, I'd be. I'd be curious to know 
if this is what uh, Dan Didio was working on. Maybe. Uh, I know Dan Didio is a sucker for this stuff, too. Um, yeah. And this, this, this map is a lot of the stuff Sean, I know, is into. I, I know a, a premise Grant wanted to put in uh, Final Crisis... I think I think uh, Jeff Johns found a way to put it in Green Lantern. Maybe is that the Source Wall, which is very ingrained in uh, New Gods and uh, Fourth World comics, uh, is basically just the Fourth Wall. Again, this idea of, of comics blending in with the real world, this hyper crisis idea. Uh, Sean, did you have any thoughts on um, you know all the the fifty two Earths that we were introduced to uh, oh, in this man. glossary section? Um. You know, I think that's really cool, man. I uh, I love creation unfiltered. You know, just the mm-hmm. idea of wild creativity. And Grant is, again, you know, we've talked about it. He's or They are one of the best at that. And that's something that they do better than almost any other uh, uh, comics creator. All these worlds and ideas and... Like, what the hell is it? You know, I don't know, but I'm into it. Like, I don't know if these were his creation or their creations. I don't know if if these are things that existed that they just kind of um, built upon. Don't know. Don't care. It's awesome. And I love that it's here. It's perfect that, that, that this is here. Um, it, it kind of... It, it's kind of a, a bummer in a way because... Uh, for the most part, you can't read stories about the characters from these other Earths. Yeah. Uh, some of them are are in this story. I think a, a lot of them are. Um, yeah. But this is just, that's just the one story. And there were some that I was like, man, I, I really want to like see what I, I want to see what this is about. Like, what is, is that this? Out to you? Yeah, I really like the. Um, uh, Earth twenty three looked really cool. I mean, you know, obviously, um, and uh, there were a few others. Uh, Which ones? I, I'm, I'm looking oh. through them now, but yeah, I, I really love this type of stuff. And um, yeah. if he could have done, if they could have done like one one page or a few pages of each of these oh. different, you know, worlds, and and now I wonder, like, what about the seven that aren't fleshed out? What's that about? Why is yeah. that the yeah. case? How do we get that? You know, I just it drives me nuts, but in a in a good way. Uh, Earth thirteen really pops out to me. Uh, that's the one where the demon Etrigan rocketed Earth from the Doom Planet Camelot. Oh, yeah, fights love evil that. in Merlin's name as Super Demon. Love it. I would read that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Wait, real real quick, uh, Sean, you brought up Earth twenty three. That's the one where um, uh, Cal El uh, uh, Calvin Ellis is Calvin from. Ellis, yeah. What is Batman's name? Because they list all the characters and they don't list a Batman name, but he's in the lineup, and I thought that was funny. I don't know. Guess we don't know. I know. I tried to look him up, and like, there's no information about him. I'm like, so the only defining factor about this is that he is the white friend in this group. I That's guess it. so. <laughs> isn't I think isn't he black in the um in the first issue? Was he? He's not in the in the multiversity guide. Um, but uh, the other one I wanted to ask you about, Sean, was how do you feel about Earth Thirty One, uh, Grant's pirate universe? 
<laughs> Would you read it though if it existed? Because nope. Grant wrote it. Nope. That's, that's, yeah. that's the one I'd have to pass on. In fact, <laughs> one of my least favorite uh, Grant Morrison creations happens to be the issue of um, shoot. What's the story where Batman's going through time? Uh, oh. Uh, oh. Uh, 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 shoot. Um, I'll you... look it up. Bory's Blackbeard, right? Yeah. Bruce Wayne didn't like it. Return the return of Bruce Wayne. That's the return of Bruce Wayne. Not happy. Not happy at all. Couldn't wait to get past that. (laughs) Just the pirate issue or the whole thing? Oh, just the pirate issue. The rest, yeah, yeah, (laughs) awesome stuff. Batman could be a cowboy though. Sure, sure. Why not? Um, go ahead with Hex. I also really like how. there's Earth 32 where it's just like yeah, everybody's just amalgam characters in this one. That's it. That's the gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mentioned how this issue kind of um, you know uh, introduces more of the universes. It really establishes uh, what the multiverse is and what's the state of it. And uh, this is really the only other issue other than the last two and Ultra Comics where we kind of get a feel the gentry doing stuff as you know the, the superheroes of the multiverse it, it moves the greater plot forward but you know really what this issue is about is our our giant guidebook so to speak i i had just one more comment about this issue that i really wanted to make sure and i typically despise things like this i have to be honest but okay the little batman <laughs> i oh my god that was so cute. <laughs> he is really cute where he pulls off his little thing. Oh, my God. I couldn't even stand it. And then when he's like, I, I don't know what I am. I-, I-, I might be a robot. I don't know if that's in this issue, but it, it's- is. it happens. At it some is, point. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. Oh, man. I was like, you poor little bastard. Yeah. And I was like, please don't kill him. Please, Batman. Don't kill Batman. Don't kill little Batman. But then the author revives those characters anyway at the end. The, the the one panel of where they're arguing and he's just holding up the little comic book in front of his face. Oh. And it's like, it's literally like as big as his entire body. <laughs> it's really funny. He's right. like, I, I think I'm a machine. I don't understand. I don't know what I am. Where am I? He's looking at his little arm with the machine parts underneath. Oh, please. Still good. Can't even handle it. (laughs) He's too cute. Uh, So that takes us to the Masterman issue, which I uh, remember being controversial back when it came out for obvious reasons. Uh, Jim Lee lends his talents here, along with Scott Williams. Yeah. We're... Focusing on the story of Kal-El landing in Nazi-occupied Czechoslovakia and fulfilling the uh, the Nazi wet dream of the Ubermensch. Uh, what do you guys think of this issue? This, this was controversial at the time? Yeah. It was. Because Why? Superman's a Nazi? Yeah, well, the, the controversy is how easy it is for... Uh, to kind of blend these DC characters and concepts in with like uh, fascism, where like Hitler is inspired by a comic book that's like an American comic book, and uh, he's not inspired by that. 
Oh, sure. He looks at the comic book and slams it on the table with the American Crusader. He's reading a comic where, uh, you know, 30s Superman is punching him in the face while he's taking a shit at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I guess you could argue that. But he also literally says right beforehand, he had there's a whole page where he's like, wait, wait, do you not realize what this is? The Superman, the overman, the great man of history has been like, that's not from sure. comics like that's. That's Nazi like philosophy, like yeah, like the idea of Superman sliding into Nazi Germany. Of course, that makes sense. <laughs> but this is very clearly already like in the throes of his reign. Like they're literally saying, "Hail Hitler!" There's yep. iconography yeah. everywhere. How could anybody get that out of this? That he that 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 he was inspired by Superman to do all these things. It's just not the case. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm just uh, parroting what people said six years ago. I don't know. And just like the idea of this, like being offensive to anybody when literally the first like three fucking pages are just Hitler taking a taking a fucking massive shit and how awful his like constipation is like they're clearly just making fun of him to be like, hey, just so we're clear, like (laughs) there are just some people in the world who are so sensitive. They see Nazi and it's over. They see Mm -hmm. X and it's over. It's like, look, man. You know, those things happen. They're real. It is what it is. You got to get over it. Like, Superman is a character that doesn't exist in the real world. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, He can be this. Uh, He isn't this traditionally. And it would be nuts if he was. Um, But that doesn't mean that we can't have a, you know, a relatively small side story that explores that concept. Just like we explore every other concept you know yeah i really like this issue um i love love a good elseworld story like love alternate reality junk um yes yeah, it's fun for the same reason that red sun is yeah this issue's like really compelling because superman is uh terrible you know superman commits atrocities uh and obviously the story is that you know he's a product of his upbringing and and where he was raised and who he was raised by but by the end when he feels remorse for all the things he did you know he toppled his house of cards you know you kind of feel bad for him but like at the same time you know he did all the things he did yeah he's a tragic figure and also what i love about this and and of course you know red sun is is about a similar thing but uh you know, the idea that you are the sum total of your your life experiences. And so, you know, as good a human as Superman is in the Earth that we read in comics every month, uh, well, what if he was born elsewhere? What if his parents weren't good people and they didn't teach him the right way right. to live? Like, he would be different, just like you would be if you were born in a different time or a different place or a block away from where you were born, you know, like... Everything is, is is relative in that regard. And this is just a reminder of that. And I think that in the grander story of the of multiversity and and, and looking at DC, uh, that's important to note. Because there are all these different um, worlds and universes in which these characters are different because it's a different world. And the idea that our greatest hero in our universe out there in the multiverse, there's a version of him where he's bad. I think that's worth telling. 
not just bad like this is like the worst possible version of that character yeah um, i mean arguably ray he at least feels bad yeah <laughs> uh not and like they, nazi batman who's a total prick yeah i mean he's like he's down like he's down as fuck you know like i mean like shit they have the moment where he comes they show him coming back from the war and they're like well, he's like, what did you do while I was away? You know, like they're like they're definitely trying to give this uh, implication that, you know, he didn't he wasn't necessarily complicit in everything. Uh, Injustice this, Superman might be worse than Nazi Superman. Who's to say? Uh, this 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 issue was very successful at making me patriotic because I was like, fuck yeah, Uncle Sam, go fucking kill some Nazis, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Hell yeah! I always hate it when Uncle Sam appears in a comic book, but this time I was like, let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Sam is probably one of the only uh, personifications of America that I'm fucking down with. <laughs> like, yeah, rules. No, I totally agree. Yeah, when 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 he's used right, I yeah, I, I totally I vibe. What do you think of this issue, Kale? Yeah, no, I agree with everything that's been said. I think it's a really, really strong issue. Um and I I, I like that it made me feel for Nazi Superman. That's hard to do, you know? Yeah. Can we also um, just just you know, acknowledge like Jim Lee? Yeah. Oh, Oh my oh. god, yeah. The work he, in this issue is fucking great. He's a master. He, you know, so seldom works, but man, when he go when he comes out to play, it's like look at this. Jim Lee is like a a god of comics. And I don't think the, that he gets enough credit because he's vanished from doing interiors for the most part. But yeah. when he comes down and he does the work, it's amazing and it reminds you why uh, X-Men, giant size X-Men mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's still, right, the best-selling comic book? Um, yeah. That's why. Because of Jim Lee. And we don't have Jim Lee's. Nope. You know? His inks. Um, his fucking inks, man. Yeah. We we need to give Jim Lee his flowers. We really do. Like, as a community, he really deserves it. And, uh, you know, that is, that is an amazing uh, artist right there. Tell you what, Sean, if we ever meet him in real life, I'm going to just throw roses at him. I actually met him. him one time. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah? Yes. I remember. Cool. Oh, just a quick story. Uh, when sure. DC Universe Online came out, that video game, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. at Comic-Con, they had a like a party for it. And I, I don't even know how I got there. I don't know how I was able to get in, but I did. And it wasn't much to it. They gave us like a free poster. We got to see exclusive behind-the-scenes stuff from the game. And Jim Lee was there just chatting it up with people. So I got to say hello. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that is that is fucking rad. Um, there are four inkers on on this book. Oh damn! Really? Yeah, well, not, fucking Jim Lee. Doing holy it. shit! Like, there's some good inks on this book. It makes sense. This this is this. You could tell this was a book that uh, DC put a lot of pride into. Grant mm-hmm. Morrison and Jim yeah. Lee, like, yeah. I feel Sean, you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he usually works with Scott Williams and Alex Sinclair. Exactly, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um Yeah, beautiful looking book. And just like the closing moments where uh the narrator's basically like, uh Superman knew where he was gonna land and didn't stop it because, you know. He uh had to grieve. And the last line I wanna really highlight here is as Superman's crashing into Metropolis Uncle Sam says, heads up, Ratsies. Sam says, you can ram your Siegfried where the sun don't shine. We want you to pay for your crimes. Fucking love it. 
Let's go, Uncle Sam. Bratsies. Something I never thought I'd hear words that I would hear come out of Phil's mouth. Let's go, Uncle Sam. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm editing this episode, so I'm not going to isolate it. Uh, uh, <laughs> Phil, did you did you read Uncle Sam's final words there in the voice of Steve Austin, by the way? <laughs> no, but I like it. I like it a lot. That's great. So how would Steve Austin say these these this last line here? Okay, all right. Heads up, you son of a bitch, Ratsies. Stone Cold Sam says you can rain your goddamn Siegfried where the sun don't shine. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Uncle Sam said so. There you go. Can we get Stone Cold to play Uncle Sam? <laughs> that would rule. Yeah, that would be sick. Uh... That takes us to uh, Ultra Comics. We talked about it a bit. Um, I kind of want to circle back here a little bit. um, Because when, uh, what's his name? Ultra, the character, tells you not to turn the page. And you're immediately greeted by, you know, some boardroom guy who Mm. basically is like, oh, I'm going to create the best superhero in a lab in a world where superheroes (laughs) don't exist. And, uh, the way he talks about it. He's like an advertising guy from like Mad Men or something. Ah, there you are. Guess that's one way to get your attention, right? But don't worry about Ultra. He's only dreaming in his tank. And they basically talk about how they're going to curate creating this ultimate superhero. Uh, Doug, uh, was I want to say Doug Manka is how you say his name. He's been around for years. He helped create Bane. Yes. This is the best Doug Manka I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, here's my fun fact. I worked with his wife for two years. What? Yeah. Why the fuck am I the only one who doesn't have a fun fact about somebody who worked on this book? <laughs> uh, yeah, we worked at a department store. Uh, she she worked in a copy center. Say no more. Um, I, I thought that Ultra looked deliberately like Miracle Man. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that was my thought. I, I, I figured that, that that was what the point was. Yeah, and that was like the British version of, that, yeah. of uh, Captain Marvel, I think. They kind of sp- spiraled into their own thing. Like in the beginning, like uh, I think Captain Marvel was called Miracle Man as like a bad translation or something, and it just spiraled into their own character. And UK Fuck, Marvel he really comics. does look like Miracle Man. Or you, yeah. I, that's not UK Marvel, but you get my point. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's a bad paraphrasing of the history, but I think you're close. Pretty, you're pretty spot on. Yeah. Uh. I, I, you know, I don't actually think I have anything else to add on this. Um, on this issue? I'll tell you what. Yeah. We, we kind of talked about it. I, the way he dies with the, the text at the very end, this black and purple text, uh, final crisis, world crisis, cosmic crisis, start of oxygen. One, of, uh, one by one, the constellations go out. One by one, one by each goodbye. More heartbreaking than sad stars blinking out. Uh the, you know, this is, this is like a new character that dies basically because you know creative doesn't get really get behind it. I love the I love that, and I love the the like kind of synergy and the symbiotic relationship between Ultra and the the essentially the fans, right? Like, yeah, they they're able to bring him back by reading about him, and then this character who's like this corporate character or whatever. You know, bites out this thing in his in his in his um, what is this his called? Forehead. 
yeah the gem in his forehead the gem in his forehead and he he it's almost like he's meant to to die in that moment but he takes control of the narrative by deciding what the ultra stuff is yeah in that moment like that's so cool the character takes over the story and goes a different way and ultimately loses out to the editors in the end but for that moment he was able to control the narrative it's like the it's like he's like the old he's like the author right of his own of his own story it's like if an author really loves his character yeah. and wants the character to persist oh god come on <laughs> how is that not the coolest shit in yeah. comics you know this is the essence of comic books yep anything else to add guys before we uh move on to multiversity 2 Okay, yeah. So we talked, we touched on it a, a bit before, but this is uh, kind of where our, our loosely threaded plot all culminates into the final confrontation with the Gentry. We see all these different iterations of superheroes that we saw in the guidebook, uh, including my my boy uh, Super Etrigan uh, at the very start of it here on a giant splash page uh, in the House of Heroes. You know, come together and have to fight the corrupted monitor and then all the gentry uh there's a lot going on um this issue specifically drew comparisons in my mind to um dark knight's medals because there's just a lot going on yeah. but unlike that i really dug what was i mean i liked what was happening there too but i felt more invested i guess in what was happening here because even though you know we didn't have like long runs establishing these characters uh, I was given enough that I, 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 I picked up what they were putting, uh, what you know, what Grant was putting down. Uh, yeah, um, I, I think that again, this story is less for me about the specific characters and my knowledge of them, yeah, than what actually happens. And the moments that Grant is able to create by just sucking you in to the narrative. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, I found myself connected to this issue, even though it's just a bunch of crazy. I mean, there's literally a Superman who is a, a, a rabbit. Captain Carrot. He gets his yeah. head cut off. He gets his head cut off, and that's not enough. That's not <laughs> enough to stop my man. He's so fighting. Yo, I love Captain Carrot. How uh, when I like when we first got there, I was like, okay, this must be a a Grant thing, right? Nope, sure wasn't. That's a real thing. Yep. Both Marvel and DC have like animal superhero universes. Uh, like Rocket Raccoon and Marvel like comes from like a bunch of animal superheroes. Yeah, but fucking, well, no, it would be more akin to Peter Porker, Spider Ham. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but like the thing that I thought was crazy when I, when I looked them up, um, because again I wanted to see what the deal was. They like appeared originally in like Teen Titans, and then were like in the like in the main universe. Like they weren't. Oh, they didn't get like cordoned off to their own universe until later. <laughs> um, do you know? Do you know about when that happened? Is it like the the very very first iteration of the Teen Titans? 
Uh, it says they first appeared in a 16-page special insert in the New Teen Titans number 16. Um, oh, the New Teen Titans. 82. So that would have been, been the 70s. It was 82. Okay. Oh, fucking hell. Well, it's issue 16, right? So It's like the very end of the, uh, of the Bronze Age, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Compliments to uh, Ivan Reese on art here. There's again, I, I really appreciate uh, like interesting motifs um, for the corrupted monitor to kind of usher in the gentry. They have to solve a Rubik's cube in 15 steps, and uh, paneling is used to reflect that. Uh, there's so many grid panels uh, that are used as like a device through the Rubik's cube that I thought was really neat and creative. I also like how, um, the turns are used to like create tension, you know, like, um, yeah. what, you know, what I forget his name, uh, Uton, Uton, Nick's Uotan. Uh, he's like, oh, in like, you know, 15 turns, I'm going to end the world yeah. or whatever. And then he's like, turn 14, turn 13. Like, yes. it gives, it really heightens the drama. You know, it gives it that, like, the clock's ticking, motherfuckers, you know. and I, video game or something. I kinda, sure. I kind of hoped that was, like, uh, connected to the page turns. <laughs> that would have been, oh, been sick. If they did less pages, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> It kept time though, in a way, like yeah, it creates it creates space in between, just like um, the, the 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 twelve panel grid does. Um, I really love how this thing just transformed into a crazy crisis story. Yeah, right at the end. And what would a what would a crisis be without the Flash just running for his life? Like I love like, these panels of him like SOS. SOS and there's even a we get some a flash fact or two. Oh, yeah, I love that. You Straight just, out of like '50s flash comics. Yeah, that's that's just brilliant stuff. And I love I love how when they come back together, it's just there's like that shot of just all of them just coming in and just punching them in the face. That's <laughs> so great. I mean, they're going like this, you know, speed of light, and a split second lasts forever when you're the Flash. So. Mm-hmm. You know, they're <laughs> they're knocking him on his ass. Uh, also, I really love the the part because they had like established earlier that this specific Flash was like a dork and like read comics and shit. Mm-hmm. And I love how when they're <laughs> they're like, "Oh, you got to read the comics," and he's like, "Geez, I'm not that much of a nerd. Like, it's the middle of a fight. Like, what are you talking about?" <laughs> it's good stuff. The one Flash is like, "They already destroyed a whole universe, and uh, you're you're reading too fast." and that's so cool because in that moment i was like oh i'm reading too fast shit i gotta go back because i i missed something here it's like slow down well it's the action scenes you know you're you're kind of akin to read quickly during the action scenes because you want to keep up with the pace of the fight and stuff right um other just neat little stuff like uh the captain america of one world looks at the other captain america of the other world is like oh that's me basically and then they you know, again, a celebration of comic books. Uh, in this world, they're called retaliators. So the Captain America to rally his group of Avengers says, uh, "Beats me, but I know where we're heading." Retaliators rampage. Love that. Oh, man. Also, I love the the him fighting the undead version of himself. I'm like, that's a Marvel Zombies nod. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> like there's just it's like everything. There's just 
so many fucking layers of references and nods and just random stuff. It's crazy. Also, I know we already talked about how great Captain Carrot is, but the part where he gets his head cut off, I was, like, very angry for a second. I was like, are you really about to just murk my man like this? And then, he, then literally the next panel, he's like, whoop! And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Cartoon physics, Pete. Yeah, it's it one of the best superpowers in the world, frankly. He, like, invincible. <laughs> this uh, this okay. final boss... Yeah, that's about what I was going to ask about. Yeah. Harbinger. He, clearly, he inspired the uh, the villain Perpetua that Scott Snyder yeah. created. Oh, uh, yeah. I think the implication from what Snyder did is that they're of the same ilk. Hmm. You think? Because, yeah, because um, he references the the uh, the empty hand, or, or he says, empty is my hand. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in death metal and in the infinite frontier they, they talk about the, the hand and i guess the idea is like the hand that controls everything yeah um i think that these are interrelated characters yeah i was trying to figure out what do you what do you guys make of the harbinger because his motive basically is to create the final chapter of your never-ending story you know c- comics we talk about all the time in the main show how you know uh stories kind of drift out and expand but eventually they all rubber band back to a cent- like a, a baseline continuity and the stories never end captain america's been fighting the good fight you know in the modern era of whatever iteration it is for 50 years ditto for superman batman all these characters but it's like this my, my kind of perception is that this is just someone who hates comic books um yeah do you think it's AT and T? Actually, that was a joke. But now I kind of look at. I'm looking at the page uh, where he's sitting on his throne or whatever, and the the electricity coming off his horns and into the uh, the antennas. Five G might be something there. <laughs> might be something there. It's five G. Five G. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I now that you say that, I I think that makes sense. I remember when I was reading it, <clears throat> I was kind of, uh, I was wondering if maybe it was commentary on like you know because, um, Uotan is like the reader, right? Yeah, and he's like the good reader, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering. I was like, is is this supposed to represent like the bad reader or something like that? But I definitely don't – now that you say that, I think that makes more sense because it's like this idea of, right, like it says um, – oh, there's something about how like it, it – what was the line that made me think that? Ah, whatever. I don't remember, but <laughs> – I'm going to play pretty quick there, Pete. It's a weak okay. theory, all right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, he leaves. Uh, they thwart the gentry. And uh, all the characters in across the multiverse are gathered together. They thank uh, uh, Nick Suatan for basically saving all their lives. Uh, his actions are what basically uh, it's you know the reader is why these books are printed. Exactly. They are the ones that buy them. 
So all the characters are thanking the reader, the loyal reader who spends all the money, as evidenced by the very last panel. Here's your $800 DC Comics for all the shit you provided me over the years. Uh, and I hope he got more than that. <laughs> and, you know, we're basically implied to have like a Justice League of the Multiverse. I think they show up in other stuff. Kale kind of alluded to that. The Operation Justice Incarnate, led by uh, Calvin Ellis. Uh, that's multiversity. What do you guys think of the ending? Um, Could not believe that they didn't have Captain Carrot as the leader of the new team. Ridiculous, frankly. But Well, the Hulk baby's there. Don't worry. <laughs> like I said earlier on, I really wish that there had been a resolution. It feels like things just wrap up really quick. And, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel that satisfying. I was taken aback by the fact that it was over. I was like, wait, what? What the, you know, it just ends. Um, so that, that didn't feel so great. I like the ending itself, but I thought that there could have been, you know, at least a few more pages in there. Well, especially when, um, um, uh, the AT&T analog shows up it's just like where the fuck did they did he come from right because well, and I, then... I like it felt like the egg guy the gentry like they were the big bad guys and but then like, they weren't it didn't it didn't feel like there was anything else right like you know beyond what what we'd already seen yeah that was like weird for me because obviously, you know, we talked about the big egg guy being like a stand in for like editorial or, you know, the company money, whatever. Right. Like the the thing that, you know, puts a puts the boot on creativity or whatever. And for there to be this other bigger thing in the chair and he's got like 10 of those flying around him and the big purple thing that comes and attacks the base. That's the other big monster that they fight. There's like two or three of them in the background. So it's like. Okay, if that's editorial or whatever, what is that like the the company? Is that DC? Well, you know, like ed- editors are are essentially middle management at comic book companies, right? So sure, the your one editor is your like direct boss, but behind yeah. that, there's actually a legion of editors who do what they do to you to everyone else, right, and then yeah. there's someone or some people over top of them who make them do what they do to you. Perhaps sure. as Kale pointed out, AT and T. Sure. Right. I uh, um, I like that. No, I didn't, obviously didn't think of it as like a parent company, but it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense, though. I, there's also um, the, the other thing that I thought about was how it also has the gem on the forehead, similar to Ultra. Yeah. So well, they made it's the like, book. yeah, there's got to be some kind of three line there. <laughs> we see uh, Nixie Watson in bed. He's reading all the comics that we just read. Yeah, that that was his poll list this week. And I love how he doesn't have money. Well, he does now, but he didn't have money to pay his rent. But he still bought comics. My yep. dude's still getting his books. Gotta, gotta get <laughs> your books. Ain't that the struggle? Ain't that the struggle? That is five hundred percent me in college. Me like, if I eat ramen for a week, I can buy more comics. <laughs> Maybe that's me now. I don't. Uh, we 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 kind of skimmed through some of the our, our impressions on the art throughout. Uh, the multiversity, but is there anything you guys want to kind of really highlight here before we wrap up that we maybe kind of skimmed over? Boy, it wouldn't be a, a DC crisis without uh, Ivan Reese on the uh, 
yeah. on the art, huh? Yeah, that was awesome. I think that this book really is a... Um, it's a showcase of DC's greatest strengths. DC's greatest strengths are the, again, the massive creativity that it takes to tell stories in this world that is so vast and unwieldy with all these different multiverses that have their own identities and to be able to synthesize that. What is every crisis if not the the rubber banding of all the stuff that happened leading up to the crisis that necessitated the crisis, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But then also, at least up until this point, DC has been known for a while to have the better artists. That was the thing in the 2000s and some amount of the 2010s was that uh, DC had the better artists and Marvel had the better writers. And I think that this series, I mean, it showcases we get Jim Lee, we get Ivan Reese, we get Doug Mank, we get so many, Frank Quitely, so many of the greatest artists ever, yeah, to ever uh, work for DC Comics. So I think that when you say, Pete, that this is a love letter to, I think it was Pete that said this is a love letter to, to, to comics, I think that's absolutely true. And I would also say, even more specifically, it's a love letter to DC. And the culture of DC, what it's like to work for DC, what it's like to be a fan of DC, what it is that you like about DC, and why. And mm-hmm. all those things are put together, and Grant does an amazing job of synchronizing all of that. And hats off to every single creator who took part in this, because, you know, uh, it, it is hard to do this type of thing. What they do at DC is tough. You know, Marvel has it easy. You know, you got 616, and that's about it. Um... So hats off, and you know, really, it was a pleasure to read this, but also a tremendous pleasure to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I think that the thing that you said there about you know specifically the DC angle, I think the thing that has struck me the most over the last couple of years as I've like learned more about the history of DC is just how many companies DC has absorbed, yeah. and then just yeah. rolled their shit in, and like Grant really does make it seem effortless like it all just fits like it's always been that way you know um and that that is really cool and uh in terms of you know final thoughts on the art and everything i think similar to you know what i appreciated about the scripting and it being a book that is like a love letter to comics i think that you have art styles that run that whole gamut as well um cements that you know package where you do kind of get a flavor of Stuff that does feel way more, you know, gold or silver age versus stuff that has that, like, late, you know, or uh, not late 90s, but 90s to early 2000s, like, grit and gritty type style, you know, like, you, you get a lot of different flavors in the art as well. And it's funny because, you know, really no two of these issues look the same, mm-hmm. but I think because of the fact that it's a story that spans universes and is supposed to be all-encompassing... Um, that weirdly makes it feel more appropriate. It gives each universe a real sense of, you know, um, self. And credit to Grant, the writing in every issue, other than the ones that are directly linked together, all very different as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I might as well go into final thoughts here. Sean kind of already kind of went into what he was thinking. Uh, Kale, what, what are your final thoughts on Multiversity? Yeah, this uh, this is a book that I uh, was actually really really excited to pick up 
uh, when it came out. Um, I have not touched it since it came out. Um, I bought it and haven't opened it. <laughs> um, like I said, the only thing I read was uh, the Thunder World. Um, but I'm very glad that I have now. Um, there's something about books like this from Grant that intimidate me mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Um, and I, I still feel that with, with his uh, his more there. independent leaning stuff, like like the later Invisibles and uh, you know, stuff the like nameless. the filth, the nameless. Um, that stuff that is just, you know, well, I assume is just so out there because it's Grant. Um, and this was one of those, and, and I'm very glad that I was sort of, my, my, my hand, so to speak, was forced. Not here. empty, though. Not, not empty. Um, uh, but, yeah, very glad I read it. Um, I just, man. I love Graham Morrison. Yeah. What about you, Pete? I would say I feel <clears throat> very similarly to Kale. I think overall, where this is a book that um, I was familiar with in uh, like principle, right? Like the idea that like I know that Grant had a book where each issue was a comic in another universe and all that kind of stuff, and you know um, that sounded like this big unwieldy thing and how do you do that and in a lot of ways it is um but i think that you know as we've said before and as you know we've said throughout this whole review uh grant i think is uniquely um able to tell stories like that in a way that works and i think you know for me um i've never been shy about the fact that like sometimes grant's flavor just isn't for me but i think it's it's not because it's not good. It's not because um, it's something I like feel the need to pick apart and like, you know, well, actually people about it's just, you know, it, to me, it's like it's like a it's that special sauce and I want it on certain foods and I don't want it on others, you know, and I think in this series, you really do get kind of the gamut of what Grant is capable of. And I think even if you're someone like me who is a little bit more hot or cold, um, there will be something among these nine issues that that you connect with because um you know grant's an extremely versatile writer but i think the through line is that you know they have a unique voice and really just love comics i think probably more than any other person that's ever written them (laughs) and deep intimate knowledge and love of of the stuff um which make something like this feel more authentic and not feel like this editorial mandate right it's like this is just a story that Grant felt, you know? Um, so while I can't say that it, that the entirety of it worked for me, and I, I think it's a book that I would be hesitant to recommend sure. um, unless I'm very intimate with your knowledge and your tastes and know that you're down for something that is going to confuse the shit out of you. Um, but that's the thing. If that's what you want, then this it. is it. And nobody does it better. Literally no one does it better. So, um, yeah, uh, while not all of it is to my taste, I think that there's, there's, a an, a pretty objective mechanical strength across the board of this thing. Um, that I think even if it's not for you that you'll appreciate if you've read a lot of other comics, you know, cause this is something unique. 
I, I did want to add. Uh, I was gonna say, go for it, man. I didn't really give you a chance to give you your full final thoughts. Thank you. Um, I, I, I so appreciate Grant Morrison, and when they hang it up, that's gonna suck. Yeah. You know, it already kind of sucks that Grant doesn't do more work for DC. I personally would love to see them go back to Marvel. I know that's not going to happen, but that would be a dream come true for me. Because when I was reading, uh, when I started reading comics, Grant's time with Marvel was already over. Mm -hmm. So I only ever got to read that stuff retroactively. And that's a bummer. Uh, This book, I know at, at the beginning I said that my feelings would change. They changed in the middle. They've changed at the end. I love this unabashedly wholeheartedly. <laughs> this conversation was enriching, actually. And I'm so grateful that we did this. And now I don't regret doing a book club for my first reading of this book. Uh, now I'm happy that I did. So this was a pleasure. Reading this was a pleasure. I wish there was more, but it's okay that there's not. I'm happy with what we got. And um, grant, a, grant a, a comic book treasure, you know, when if there were to be a Mount Rushmore of comic book writers, uh, creators even in general, I think, you know, the argument has to be made for Grant. As so, far as recommendations, I recommend this to absolutely nobody. Hundred percent. I was just thinking on that on that note, do you think Marco would like this book? Um, oh, I have I, no idea. I, yes. think, I think there would be so much missing context. Yeah. That it would be tough for him, but I think yeah. that he would probably be drawn in by just the raw creativity. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I if you if the whole thing was like multiversity one and two throughout, I would say no. But the fact that we have the Thunderworld stuff, we have Pax Americana, you know, we have the uh, the Nazi world stuff. Like I think Mark would be sucked in by all that stuff, and like the 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 glossary. I think he would really have fun paging through that stuff and be like, oh, I want to read this thing. Yeah. And the same reaction we all had. Uh, it's funny. I, I was thinking while we're talking in our final remarks, uh, I feel like we had the opposite reaction to last month's book club when we did Jupiter's Legacy, where uh, some of us started out warmer on it, and as by the end we got colder on it through discussion. <laughs> this time I feel like all of us got warmer on multiversity the more we talked about it. Yeah. I definitely feel that way. So... It's pretty cool. Uh, if you guys don't have the deluxe hardcover edition that uh, Kale kind of alluded to earlier, it's worth picking up because in the back there's just like so much about like the, the what went into the art, so to speak. Grant uh, famously kind of uh, draws what they have in mind, and uh, that stairway scene that you talked about in Pax Americana, like mm. Grant kind of outlined what they had in mind, and then Frank took it to another level. Uh, you kind of mm-hmm. see how the the, the the dynamic works between the two. Uh, just a lot of great stuff like that. Totally worth reading. Uh, as for me, I love this book. Um, I loved it in 2015. Uh, this like 2015, like really amalgamated to like my my like peak love of Grant because I went back in, around that time and was reading stuff I had never read before, like Animal Man, uh, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I, I was at my third or fourth reread of All Star Superman, so. This coming out around then really uh, was at a fever pitch for my worshipping of the altar, so to speak. And I really hope we get a multiversity too, as it's been alluded. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but you know, here's hoping, because I would love more of these Earths explored. Um, 
I'll tell you what. I want Grant to write a movie for Captain Marvel that you then have the, the Spider-Verse guys oh. animate. That's what I want. Captain now. Marvel oh. is in Captain Shazam. Marvel? Oh. No, no, like Shazam. Yeah, <laughs> Take the elevator Marvel. pitch that they wrote for this book and go make a movie with the Spider-Verse guys. That's the Just take that one Captain to the bank. Marvel. That one's for free. You just take that, Grant. Just go ahead. Just do it. Uh, that'd be so much fun. Uh, as for us, thank you for taking the time to listen to our hulking conversation. At the beginning of the show, I told you about an hour and a half in that something bad would happen to you if you finished it. I hope you don't feel that way. <laughs> uh, because... If you did enjoy what you listened to, please go check out all of our episodes that drop every Monday on YouTube and wherever your uh, podcasts are sold. Make sure you go check out our Discord. That'll be in the description. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And like I mentioned before, like and subscribe our YouTube channel. As for uh, the rest of us, I'm Phil with the Comics Pals. And thank you for listening. Take care, guys. You guys think you could listen to this episode in reverse and it would make sense? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>